Welcome to Heaven Sent and Bent on TalkZone.com, a place to talk about the experiences that we call life. We'll share the sorrow and the joy that makes this earthy existence real and makes us who we are. Now, here's your host, Renee Steelman. Good morning. Good morning, one and all. You know, when the music starts for my show, I just kind of want to dance a little bit and get the day going. And uh, I hope you all feel the same way. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining me today on Heaven Sent and Bent. Steelman, your host, and you are listening to me on the Talk Zone station. You can find the podcast after this show is complete on my uh, blog, which is www.heavenandnot.com. So if for some odd reason, and I'm only guessing that the only reason why you wouldn't possibly be listening is that, you know, you have suffered a, a natural disaster of some kind or life-threatening circumstances, I don't know. But if by some chance you aren't able to listen live, there is the opportunity to listen to the podcast after the show is completed. So I hope you will all do that, especially for today, because my guest today is Diane Dennis. And what I love about Diane is that she's going to give us a little bit of a different take. Um, most of my shows, I like to talk with people who are going through struggles. They're going through some kind of a trial in their life. And Diane has gone through some things in her life, and maybe we'll have a chance to talk to some of that, about some of that. But actually, Diane is, um, well, she's the president and founder of Inspired Media Communications, which is a multimedia PR firm. And she is a sought after speaker and trainer and a certified trainer for TED. And now that is not the TED Talks, but it, rather it is an empowerment dynamic. And we're going to talk about that. And Diane is a certified TED trainer and she holds a certificate in training from Merrill Hist University uh, in this dynamic. And basically what we're going to be talking about is different orientations that exist when we are trying to deal with something that's going on in our life that we feel needs to be fixed. And that's pretty much everything, right? And with problem orientation, when we see something as a problem, the first reaction, of course, is to fix the problem. But when you have that reaction, that creates anxiety. And no one likes anxiety, so we try to get rid of the anxiety by reacting. So Diane is going to lead us through some steps where we can alleviate the anxiety and learn a different tool, how to handle problems. Obviously, we all have problems in our life. And it's our reaction to the problems that either give us the peace that we need or create the anxiety that give us, gives us even more stress. So uh, we're going to have a wonderful, a wonderful talk with Diane. And I like when... She talks about this, this method, this, this way of looking at our problems through a, what she calls a drama triangle, which is either the victim, the persecutor, or the rescuer. And that seems to be the only three ways that we look at problems. And she's going to introduce us to a different way of looking at problems. So I'm really excited to have Diane on the show today. So Diane, how are you this morning? Hi, thank you. That was a fabulous uh, intro. I'm doing great. 
Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, I am so excited. We've had a little bit of an opportunity to talk about uh, the uh, orient, this orientation, the TED orientation. And so you're the expert. Start out the conversation by telling our listeners what it's like, what, what, our, what our go-to method is of dealing with anxiety and problems, and then how we can fix that to, be a, to give us a better turnout, a better results. Oh, great. Okay, so you started it off really well by giving kind of an overview of what it is. And here's one of the biggest things that takeaways that your, your listeners are going to absolutely love. When you shift the way that you think of things and problems and things that you need to fix, in a different way, your relationships are going to get better. Because when you mentioned the... Um, victim, persecutor, and, uh, you know, the drama triangle, victim, uh, persecutor, and, uh, and uh, what's the third one? Okay, you just said it. Anyway. Oh, what did okay. I just say? Yeah. Victim, uh, persecutor, yeah. Uh, victim, and rescuer. And rescuer. rescuer. Yeah. rescuer. Yeah. Oh, my God, yes. So we, yeah. we think, oh, oh, we want a rescuer. Oh, I'd love to have a rescuer. Well, behind all these roles that we play every day, and we kind of fall into these roles because we have a story, and we tell ourselves a story, and we believe the story, and then we kind of fill the roles to fit the story, and then other people have to, you know, play those roles and bounce off our roles, and it ends up being drama. So when you have a problem to solve, if you start falling into those roles, by the way, we all do this. What I'm going to give you is how everyone acts all the time. Most people, I should say. But if we make a little shift and we wake up to how we're doing things and do it a little differently, our problems, a lot of our problems are going to go away. A lot of the drama in our relationships are going to go away. Our relationships are going to improve and our life's going to be better. So, yay, that's that's a good reason to learn this stuff, right? Exactly, exactly. And I love what you said about the stories that we tell each other. I remember watching a show. I can't even remember what it was, but they, they mentioned this, that a lot of the problems that we create for ourselves is because we are telling ourselves a story that somehow has become true in our minds and so that's the problem. We can't get past this story that we believe. And so I love that you mentioned that. So we're going to talk about getting rid of that story. And even I listen to older people, you know, uh, uh, you know, people that are in their 80s and 90s, and they will be talking about their life, their story. And if there's if there's siblings around, you know, inevitably one of the siblings will say, well, that's not true. Well, that's yeah. not how I remember it. And so that kind of just verifies the fact that we get these things in our head. They become truths. And sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it creates lots of other problems. Right. And then once it becomes true in our head, we perpetuate that. And a lot of times it's a myth, but we turn the myth into reality by making it happen over and over again. So I just saw the the play, and I know you saw it too, uh, Renee, because I saw it on your Facebook. I just saw it. I just saw Wicked yesterday, and you know what's perfect about that story is the Wicked Witch, right? She had a story in her head that it was her fault that, and connect the dots, everyone can, you know, relate to this. In her case, it was, she believed that it was her fault that her sister 
was par- you know was paralyzed. It was her fault. Her dad died, and it was her fault. She's blaming herself for all these things, and and her truth is, I'm not lovable, and I'm ugly. And so then she went through life, and all that uh, kept happening to her. That belief system became reality. So the role that she would play would be she'd be victimized, and then she would persecute other people because nobody likes to stay a victim, so you strike out at someone. And so, and you know, she was in charge of being the rescuer, rescuer of her sister who was, you know, in a wheelchair. So you see how these roles get played out in real life, and you know, you can insert any of your own stories into into that whole thing. Well, what's wrong with that is is that it keeps us stuck in the roles and it distances ourselves from true intimate love and by solving problems. So I'm going to break it down and start sort of at the beginning of this whole thing because it can get really complicated. But let's say you have a problem in, you know, you're raising your kids and, um, you know, your your child is something's wrong, like they're acting out in school or they're getting bad grades or whatever. So, you know, you don't like this and you want to change it so you see it as a problem. Well, what happens to our bodies See, our bodies follow whatever our mind thinks. We think whatever comes into our head is the truth. And somebody said one time, our mind is like an unruly child. (laughs) And, And it's so true. If we don't start to harness and control the way that we think, then we're not in control of ourselves, really. So, you, right. you know, your kid is getting bad grades and you don't like this. And it, So on a cellular level or a physiological level, when you see something as a problem, you, like you mentioned, you get anxious. What happens when you get anxious because you saw it as a problem and in your mind you want it to go away, so it starts with the mind, your body develop, uh, starts to create hormones that match that feeling that came from the thought. So you have the thought in your head, then you have the, that turns into a feeling. The feeling actually, make, your body responds to the feeling. So something you don't like, you get upset, it causes you anxiety, you go into fight or flight. You get, you know, this shot of adrenaline. Well, when you're shot full of adrenaline in your system, you're, you don't like it. It feels uncomfortable. You're anxious, you know, the shaky, sweaty hands thing. So you want to get rid of that feeling right away that's now manifested in your body. So you're going to react and do something to fix the problem really fast so it can go away so you can come back to your state of feeling, having a sense of well-being. Now, through all that, the reaction or the solution probably wasn't in your best good or the best good of your child or your family because you were just trying to get rid of a bad feeling in reality. Right. So, <laughs> and it, how do you deal with people who, who because I, I'm sure that people are thinking that because they had that physiological response, because their body reacted to it, therefore it makes their perception true. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, I got angry, therefore whatever it was you said was bad because I wouldn't have gotten angry if you wouldn't have said that bad thing. Exactly. So yeah. now this. So that creates part, a truth. This, this was the hardest part for me because I was a problem anxiety reactor. We all are, right? Especially right, when right. we're triggered, we all have our triggers. Whatever trigger, whatever trigger it is that we have, we all have them. Uh, that's going to create that um, that dynamic right there. So um, some people are triggered by shame, you know, if they think somebody's not respecting them or. 
you know, you have a certain person that you just, you can't stand that they, the way that they either talk to you or behave around you. So you immediately are like loaded for bear <laughs> mm-hmm. and you're ready to react because you, you've already experienced that. So it's like a knee jerk reaction and it becomes um, almost like you can't stop it. How do you stop it? So I was the same way. And what I found, first I found a different way to look at things. Then I had to tell my body, my mind and my body not to react. I thought it was impossible, but I did it. Mm-hmm. And so if I can do it, anybody can do it. I would tell people wow. all the time, it's not possible to make this happen. I can't, I can't stop my body from getting anxious. I can't. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, mean, I was the biggest resistor of all. And so, I, and so, let me, so let's talk about the different. Um, so wait, go back to what, what was it, the question that you had when I Well, I was I saying. People, exactly, exactly what you said, that people will say, uh, well, I don't have any control because my body just reacted. I got, I mean, you, your face flushes, your gut twists, and that angry or whatever you're feeling or sadness or whatever your emotion is, is a physiological response. And so you go, well, that wasn't my fault. I mean, I, I got angry because you did something to me. It's not my fault. I just yelled and screamed at you because hello, listen to what you just said. And so right. you're putting the reaction back onto them because now you're the victim, like you said, of, of what that mean thing was that someone did to you or said. Yeah, and that's why people in relationship keep fighting about the same thing over and over and over again. So right. here's, here's how to interrupt that right now. I'm going to address, address that one right there because we all have been in that cycle. And it's the little things that will drive you crazy, right? So how you interrupt the cycle is you just become really honest. Okay, so you're flushed, you're anxious, you're upset, you want to lash out at your, you know, your husband, your child, your sister, whatever it is. And so what you do is you say, I am feeling really triggered right now. I need some space. So you don't engage when you're triggered because there isn't any good that's going to come out of it. Right. So you walk away. From, and and but the other person has to respect that too. If they come chasing after you, you know, right. no, I need to talk about it right now. We as women, yeah, are the biggest yeah, perpetuators yeah. of that. You know, no, no, I need to, I need to talk about it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see that on reality TV a lot. People will say, <laughs> just give me some space, and then the other people are walking out behind them, going, no, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm done, you know, and they just follow you out, or or they. Um, I'm anxious for you to tell us if after you've walked away and you need your space, how you can talk yourself down. Because I, I am guilty of saying, look, I feel triggered. I need some space. And then I, I enjoy that space by just, just planning my revenge. <laughs> you know, it's like the space is like, I need some space. And then I take advantage of that. Now, you know, like, kind of like the Wicked Witch of the West. Now you're going to get it. <laughs> you know, so you're going to suffer because I found more ways to do it to you. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. So, yeah. So, okay. So you interrupt the process by saying, I feel triggered and I need some space. So you walk away. Let's say, let's say they say, okay, all right. And they give you your space. So then what do you do? Okay. So, now you know that you want to solve this in a different way. You don't want to just react from being uh, from a place of anxiety. So focus on what the issue really is. Now, in order to do this, you kind of have to, this is the hard part, you have to get out of your ego, right? As long yeah. as you're still in your ego, your ego wants to win. 
So you have to really work on putting that aside. I mean, you know, and, and all the things they say, you know, meditate, deep breathing, yoga, it's all true. What you're doing is you're connecting your mind and body into a relaxed state. Now, when someone first told me that, I go, I can't do that. Can't do that. I can't do that. I can't go in that room. I'm full of anxiety. I'm going to shut the door and stand there, and I'm just going to fume. You want me to breathe? <laughs> I'm going to breathe fire. You know? Right, right, exactly. And so, and so, I mean, I, during if I'm triggered during the day, oh, it's perfect. I can go running or something like that. My, so we have to know what our triggers are and how to work around them. If I'm triggered at night, I feel like a trapped animal because there's mm-hmm. nowhere to go, you know, for me anyway. So right. what you do... So you just, you know, you just need space and time and for, I mean, it may take two days to not go back to this and that's okay. You have to really let yourself off the hook too, you know, don't blame yourself if if you're not doing it the right way or it doesn't seem to work out the first 20 times. That's just the way it is. When you're learning something new, it's like riding a bicycle. You're going to fall off a lot of times. Mm -hmm. But the goal is, what we want to do is now don't look at the, the situation at hand as a problem. Just look at it as a as something that you want to change. That's all. In yeah. fact, you know when let you know how uh, men and women in relationship, a woman will say, "We need to talk. We have a problem." A man, mm-hmm. oh my, he's already he's already for the fight. Right. If you if you all problems are unmet needs. If you if you say now to your husband, I'm I'm you know doing this gender thing because I'm assuming we're women listening, you right? Know, right. Um, so if instead of saying uh, we have to talk, we have a problem, say to him, "Could we talk? I have a a need I want to talk to you about." And, and tell explain it as it's an unmet need because that's what all problems are anyway. When you say you have a need, what's a man want to do? A man wants to solve your, help you if he doesn't right. feel threatened, right? Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so look at this, this problem. Now back to the problem we want to solve, uh, as something, an unmet need that you want to, to help, uh, find a solution for. So we're going to, uh, out of, when we're not triggered one day or 10 days later, <laughs> We're going to readdress right. and look right. at it. Right, right. And I love that. I love that you said that, 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 that there shouldn't be uh, a time limit, that someone shouldn't say, okay, fine, I'll, I, we're going to talk about this in an hour. You know, that there needs to be the freedom to say, I need some space and, and, uh, um, and let that space take its natural course. I like that you said that. Because we do have uh, a lot of, uh, this is a pattern that we're going to have to undo, and that takes some work. But mm-hmm. trust me, the solution, to, when you get to that point where you start living that way, it's great because your life is so much easier. Everyone's lives are so much easier. And, you know, talking to your children is so much easier. You're empowering them and then you're t- modeling this behavior and teaching them to do the same. Um, so now you've got this situation at hand that you want to find a solution for. So instead of looking at it as a problem, Look at it as something that you're going to focus on. Okay. You're going to focus and you're going to, that's going to create an inner state of calm. Now, when you're calm and you're not triggered, which means really you're not in fear, your creativity starts to work. 
You know how, like, Arnold Palmer said he fixed his golf swing when he was asleep? Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. People say, oh, I I was in the shower and I found a solution to the problem. When you're sitting there staring at the problem, it's hard to find a solution for it. The minute you walk away, your mind is free to look at different options. So I want, you know, us to get to the place where we have this inner state of calm and we're kind of like children and we're playing with the idea and thinking outside the box and it's just in our thoughts. There aren't any wrong answers. And you can say, what if I, what if, you know, I did, I looked at it this way or what if mm-hmm. I tried this? And all of a sudden when you start to feel good inside, that's when you're going to find the best solution when you're thinking about something and it feels really good. Then, right. hey, I think I have the solution. Then your behavior is going to match that uh, inner state, which is going to, um, you know, instead of reacting, you're you're going to change your behavior to match the solution that you want, and it's going to be so much easier. Okay, so how do you deal with, because I, I love that you said that because I just finished, uh, one of the chapters for my book that's coming out in the spring. And, uh, and that was exactly what the topic of the chapter was, was finding your strength in the solutions and not your problems. Because I do find that a lot of people actually find strength in having problems. They, they almost feed off of it. Uh, they're yeah. not happy unless they have problems. So the fact that you're talking about finding your creativity through finding solutions to the problem, uh, that just, I mean, we could solve world, world, you know, peace. We could have world peace right now if that was just something, uh, you know, Absolutely. a way that people because, would look at it and, you know, yeah, yeah go ahead. That, that this whole dynamic is peace oriented. Mm-hmm. And so people, so you you talked about the people who always want a problem. Well, they're, don't they seem like victims because they always have a problem? Or, right. Or either they're a rescuer, they're looking for problems to come out the good guy, you know? Right, and, right. And all they're play, what they're doing is perpetuating the role that they've slid into, and all of these roles are of the ego, and it keeps them with a false sense of, empowerment and a false sense of power and a false sense of entitlement, but it really distances them from living a rich and deeply blissful life. Oh, I love, I love the way you describe that, that by, by, by living your life with your focus on the problems, it, it gives you that role of either being a victim or being the rescuer. Yeah. And, and so you're you're exactly right. That's that's just profound, um, because it does somehow give them strength both ways. Yeah. So there you go. You've got the the victim, the 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 uh, reactor, and whatever the other one was too. Yeah, you've got that by 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 concentrating on the problem rather than on the solution. Right. Uh, I love I love that. And if you want to look at all of our systems in our you know modern culture. It's it. They're all based on the drama triangle, and every Disney movie and book it is the drama triangle. There's a victim, a persecutor, and a rescuer. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but, so we look at that and we go, "What will I be? What will I be? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I will yeah. be Snow White, or I will be the Wicked Witch, or I will be the I prince. I want to be Cinderella. I want to be rescued by the prince. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, you're right. Oh my gosh. So you can see why that, well, and even, you're right. I mean, even in past generational roles that people played, there was the knight in shining armor that would come and take you away as a woman. And then your role, you know, was, uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I love it. All right. And if you want to okay. circle back to world peace, I mean, yeah. the United States looks at um, ourselves as rescuers of the world. Uh, yeah. We also, they're in, in there, and I'm not going to get political, of course, but in right. there is victimization and persecution uh, just by nature of because it's the drama triangle. So you, right. you can take it a worldview of it, and then you can, you know, drill it down to your own interpersonal relationships in your family and workplace, and, and you can see, wow, if I just made these little shifts. The problem, Renee, is um, once you can't unlearn what you learn, and you feel a little bit separated out at first um, because there's so many people hooked in those roles. But once right. you see that, you start to, it. you, you, you don't want to go back, you know, to that. And it all right. looks a little bit on the silly side, but you can you can really reinforce, um, you know, the goodness when people aren't stuck in their roles. You know, you can reinforce right. them to be better um, at um, living in a way that's that's uh, happier, <laughs> happier. Well, and and I'm sure, like you say, it's uh, you know, any kind of self help or. Or, or new information that you receive, it has to be received by everyone that you have contact with. So if you happen to be, you know, if we're dealing with, like you say, a sister, let's say you have a sister who loves playing one of these roles in the drama triangle. Perhaps she loves being the rescuer. If you no longer need rescuing, that's going to be a problem for her, you know. Exactly. Uh, so it's something that it is it, you changing yourself can help you you yourself but you you have to be you, you have to recognize that other people might not want to give up their role uh, uh and i'm sure that that falls into when you talk about marital relationships men do have a tendency to want to fix people's problems and their egos are kind of based around being the protector and the savior and you know the problem solver and so if you no longer need that role you want to be a companion, let's say you want to be on equal levels, mm-hmm. that's going to create some problems. So this mm-hmm. is something you definitely have to address as a group mm-hmm. uh, to make to make it successful. Is that true? Or what are your... Well, it, what, it, it, would, it is helpful, but not everyone's going to be on board or even be interested in looking at this. And very few people, if their roles are very, you know, <clears throat> most people are pretty embedded in those roles. And very few people want to give them up because it's like giving away yourself, you know. If your identity yeah. is so tied to that, um, then it's very hard. You know, the rescuer um, will come in and help. But see, there's a dark side to all these roles. And the reason there's a dark side to all these roles is because people haven't taken a good look at their inner self. They haven't become self-aware. And so... Um, the dark side of being a rescuer would be, um, and this is just generally speaking, would be, well, I'm going to res- I'm going to do this for you, and therefore you must be grateful always. <laughs> oh yes, okay, that's true. Uh, that's know, true. I mean, how many times have I heard? Well, I mean, 
God love my dad. He used to say it when we were little. He goes, what, what, do you, what else do you want? I put food on the table, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I provided a roof over your head and bought you your car, doggone it. So, yeah. So be happy and, and yeah. don't criticize anything that I do because I'm saving you, you know. Right. So, so all of these roles, you know, have pretty, uh, you know, straight jackets. They come with straight jackets. And uh, just like gender roles do, you know, girls are supposed to act this way and boys are supposed to act this way. So once you become self-aware and you expand your identity to be one of the heart, I think that's more, I would say this is more heart-centered living. Right, right. Then, yeah, then you're not, uh, you know, controlling or, you know, using power as a, your tool to accomplish your goals. And you know what's funny in psychology, I just they just brought you know every year I swear any of the talk shows or any any morning shows they have I I, I swear they have a list that gets recycled you know oh it's January we're going to talk about this oh it's February we're going to talk about this so yep. a couple months ago they reintroduced the topic the topic of um, where you fall in line in your family if you are a middle child if you're the oldest child if you're the youngest child and so uh, you know talk about telling yourself a story right yep. I'm the oldest child I always had to be there for people I always had to be the one that set the example I was this I had this pressure put on me or I was the baby of the family I got whatever I wanted to maybe I I am spoiled, you know. So there again, it's that story that gets created that we accept. We accept yeah. that, that. And then story. we don't and then we don't operate outside of that story which keeps us locked in. Right, right. So okay, that. so so then start to talk about the empowerment dynamic where there's where there's the other roles that like you were you started to talk about the creator, how you start to create solutions. Yeah, so, and, and so the funny part, how long do we have? Because I want to tell a little uh, anecdotal. Oh, we have we have probably another 20 minutes. Okay, so um, when I first learned about the drama triangle, I didn't know about the empowerment dynamic. I only learned about the drama triangle, and I thought I became a drama triangle evangelist. I told everyone I know, drama triangle. I thought if I could just talk about it and explain it, it would go away. So I went yeah. around telling everybody about it. Finally, this really smart man, I sat him down to tell about it. And uh, he listened, and he was, you know, very interested. And he was silent for a long time. And I always see light bulb moments go off once you talk about this. And then he looked at me, and he goes, so what do you do instead? I go, what? He goes, well, you can't <laughs> take <laughs> Yeah, he said, you yeah. can't just take something away and not replace it with something. Oh, my gosh, back to the computer. What's the antidote for the drama triangle? What do you replace it with? So I finally found it, and somebody had discovered it, developed it. It's called the empowerment dynamic. and which So the empowerment dynamic, instead of being stuck in the roles of the drama triangle, which are of the ego, um, the, the empowerment dynamic is instead of a victim, you're a creator. So every time, again, and that's why you look at your orientation of how you're going to solve a problem. If you look at, at it as a problem, you're a victim to the problem. If you mm -hmm. look at it as a focus, something to focus on, you're the creator of your solution that you're going to come up with. So instead of victim, you're a creator. Instead of a rescuer, you are a coach. So instead of, um, 
you know, uh, handing people, giving them a hand out. You teach them. This is great for parenting. You teach mm. them how to help themselves. Mm. And therefore, that, is good for parents. that empowers them to empowers the kids and the parents to not be locked into that role, those roles. And mm-hmm. it, 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 you know, then they become a creator as they learn how to, you know, solve, make, find solutions for their own issues. And then there's the challenger. Now, Gandhi was a challenger. Everybody says, oh, no, you know, these, these are all peacemakers, Gandhi and all these, Jesus, you know, all these mm-hmm. icons that we look up to and mo- think of as the best way to live your highest life, highest right. good. Well, Gandhi was not... um, a peacemaker he was a challenger he challenged everybody it wasn't easy you just he just didn't walk in and you know um wave a magic wand he suffered and he challenged people's way of thinking he was very patient so but he wasn't a persecutor he didn't persecute people he just challenged them to um change their way of thinking which means he didn't victimize people so instead of you know, persecuting someone and say, you can't do it that way, or you're wrong, or blah, 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 <laughs> all those things we do. Um, you can say, oh, what if you, and this is also great for children, um, what if you looked at this a little differently? Can I show you how? Or I'd like to challenge you on that way of thinking or that way of doing something into looking at it a different way. So it's still strong. It's, you know, it's these, all of these are, are definitely not coming from places of weakness. They're coming mm-hmm. from strength and goodness and not hooking people into trapping them into uh, these, these roles. So, yeah. It's, I it's, love it's, that. I love that. Cause I, I don't think people, they, I, I, you're exactly right. I think people look at the peacemakers in the world, like you say, you know, Gandhi and Martin Luther King and, and Jesus and all of these people. They didn't promote violence. So therefore, I guess you could call them a peacemaker, but they also didn't tolerate be certain behaviors. And then they challenged people to make a difference in a nonviolent way. So that's where they get that. That persona of being, you know, uh, um, quiet, I guess I would use the term as quiet, not necessarily weak or, or whatever, but you can promote, uh, or challenge, us, uh, um, um, something that's wrong or, or, or unjust, uh, without anger, without violence. Therefore, it is a peaceful way of of dealing with persecution. So I love that reference because you're right. I mean, these people were strong, um, but they asked you to do something. They asked you to do to do to make a shift in your focus. And and you know that because they were bucking against the norm, that they were really risking their lives. And you know, MLK. You know, look at who died. Right. Right. Um, Right. Doing their work, and so I would say that aren't weren't they the living examples of the empowerment dynamic? Yeah, they were creators well, it, of their own vision, and they believed in it, and they coached others how to do it, and then they challenged those. Right, 
And interestingly, like you were saying before, if you look at how the world handles things, like let's talk about the, you know, the injustice of the shootings of the youth that's been going on the last year. So you've got the victim, which is the youth, and then you've got the persecutor, which is the police force, and then you've got the rescuer, which is going to be some nonprofit organization that's just started that's going, you know, that's going to fly in and somehow save someone. So you've got that, that victim triangle that they think is going to create a difference, but in reality, you're just perpetuating the problem yeah. by, with that mindset. Yeah, it doesn't solve problems. It's, that's why our problems don't go away. They just keep coming back. The same ones keep coming back over and over. I mean, you know, I thought there are some problems, you know, in our you know, modern culture that I thought, I thought we already solved that. Why is that back? And you uh, will find yeah. out, find in the drama triangle the problem will recycle and it will come back and it will come back and it will come back. And we could almost overlay almost all of our modern industries or systems that are set up uh, to be that way that you just described with the police and the youth as, um, as that, you know, we could look at our medical system as the doctors, as the rescuers, right. And the patients as the victims and, you know, and so, 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 with, we, we can't change the big systems. I mean, I'm not really willing to, to go on a march for all those. No, <laughs> myself, no, actually. exactly. Right. But we can, but we can uh, practice the empowerment dynamic within our own self when we are faced with these uh, situations. I think we've all done it as mothers. Um, you know, uh, you know, your your one child may be told their attention deficit, they have to go on medication. Well, you might decide you don't want to do that. So you will become the challenger and you will decide not to be a victim by going against what your heart says. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we all are faced as parents with those things all the time and we do have choices. Right, right. And, And how much better do you feel as a person when you have become creative and you have solved a problem through a solution that you've come up with. And now that problem is gone and that's where you get back to that win-win. Yes. You know, no one, no one has been hurt. Everyone wins somehow. And, and so that's where you get that win-win. And, um, that's just, that's just amazing. Why haven't I heard more about this? I, I'm just, I mean, when we talked earlier about this, I was so blown away. I'm so glad that you're able to share that. So when you work as a facilitator, trying to create the, the empowerment, how do you walk people through these different shifts? Well, it depends What's, on where they're at because you have to meet people where they're at, right? Right. So, so um, what are you, are you, I'm not sure how to answer it really because everybody. Well, like for, ex- for example, okay. if you were to, if you were to do a seminar or something like that, so people have to, I, they have to be willing to identify what role they're playing. Is that right? So would they have to say, would they have to be able to say, or, you know, even at the very beginning, they have to admit that they're telling themselves a story. Yeah. Well, the first part is that the drama triangle isn't one person taking on just one role. In a, in a conversation, we can all, let's say between two people, first somebody will say something persecuting and then that person feels like, the next other person feels like the victim. Nobody likes to be a victim, so they'll say something persecuting back. <laughs> so everybody switch hits these roles and it's just of the ego and it's a way to to keep the fight going. 
Um, true. Or, or I shouldn't say people want to keep the fight going. It's they want to win. They want to win, yeah. Right. And, and so, And so what I do is I take, someone will come to me and they'll tell me what their problem is. And I will show them a different way to solve their problem. And whatever it is. I mean, if some people come and they say, I keep having the same problem at work. I don't know what it is. And so I give them a different way to look at it. Sometimes it's they have unconscious belief systems that keep this whole story going. Once the belief system has come to their awareness, they go, oh, well, I guess I don't need to be afraid of that. That was just a story that I hadn't really thought of, you know, brought it right, right. up into my consciousness. So. I think it, it just depends on, on where people are at. You can do this in theory and have a seminar and talk about it. You know, a few people will walk away really empowered and want to practice it, and there will be a handful of others who don't uh, just because whatever they're doing is really working. Yes, oh. yes, and that's the thing. The role that they're playing uh, is getting them whatever feedback they want. Yeah, and, exactly. you know, like I remember I had a friend years ago who um, felt as though she had always been the uh, ignored child. Her brother had gotten everything. Her brother was always given this or given that. And when she would ask for something, her family would say, no, we're not giving that to you. And who knows if that's true? I mean, maybe yeah. that's true. That's that's the thing I think you probably have to identify, too, is there are there are injustices. There there is abuse out there. There are circumstances that are true that people have got to you know accept or identify. Um, but it, it it bled over into her adult life. So when she would say things like, um, "I don't like my walls. I, I don't have any pictures up, and everything's just white, and I don't know what to do with it," and you know, my we'd be out for lunch or something, and my other girlfriend and I would say, "Well, do you want us to come over and help you hang some pictures?" No, no. Do you want us? You want to paint? Do you want to come over and we'll we'll look at some different paint colors? No, I, I don't want to do that. I mean, so every solution that you would ask, you know, then finally you'd realize, you know, I don't think you want to solve this problem. I think you like having something to complain about. That's just okay, kind of so your, that's your, that's a perfect example. So since her story was she didn't get things, she refuses help from others to keep the story going. You see what I mean? Because if yes. you guys actually did come over and help her, she if she allowed you to help her, she her myth would be broken. Oh, people do do things for me. People do give yeah. me things. So, right. so the, the solution really in the beginning of her problem would be, uh, or this story, would be to forgive her parents. Okay. So that's what you do when your story that you're telling yourself is true. Yes. Is you have to start out by forgiving, okay? And forgiveness, uh, I learned this, oh my gosh, I learned this from a woman who would come in to give a class at Merrill, or to give a, a talk at Merrillhurst. This was so amazing because, you know, how do you forgive somebody when you it, when it's so bad, when they do something so terrible, and you don't want to forgive them because you're afraid if you forgive them, they'll do it again, or somebody else can do it again to you. If, as long as you hold on that, hold on to that feeling of distance, then they can't come at you again. So this so uh, this woman came to give a talk, and she had been uh, violated sexually by her father. Mm-hmm. And she did her thesis on forgiveness. Get this. She goes, I couldn't forgive my uh, father from 100% all at once at one time. I learned to forgive him in incre- increments of percentages. 
And I knew that to heal and to be able to be loved again, I would have to forgive. And so I would, one week, I could say, I can forgive him 2% today. Mm. And this went on until she could forgive him for, I don't know if she ever got to 100%, but the fact that I heard of this formula for the first time ever in my life totally shifted the way I thought of things of how to forgive, thought of ways to forgive people. Isn't that cool? That is amazing. Like you say, the pressure that we we feel we put on that's put on us by the, the 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 surge to forgive those and examples that are shown on the media of someone who's forgiven like the the church group that was shot by that young kid and how they all forgave him and we we looked at that with such admiration but then i think we also put that pressure on us that we might not be able to forgive that easily uh, but by doing like you say to say well it doesn't have to be 100% today or tomorrow uh, I love that idea. Isn't that and cool I think, that we can actually let ourselves off the hook? You know, it's yeah. not black or white. It's not like, oh, we're perfect or we're terrible, you know? Right, right. Well, and I, I love the, and I, I've often quoted this, the Stephen Covey quote that says, you know, seek first to understand. So mm-hmm. when you're trying to listen to someone, you have to understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't forgive um, the, you know, you it's 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 you're not, it's, what's that word? You're, I mean, when you're forgiving someone, you're not saying, it's okay. It's okay that you did that. It's not okay that they, they commit the horrible crimes, that they kill someone with their car because they chose to drive, you know, intoxicated. Mm-hmm. That's, it's not okay. But when you understand maybe what was going on in that person's mind or what the situation was that made them drink too much and, and then they made that bad choice because they were already intoxicated, it helps. A little bit. It helps a little bit. But but that was, I love that. That is amazing. Yeah, it just, it doesn't it give you a sense of feeling of freedom, you know, because we are under so much pressure to act this way and, you know, and and right. show show that we are, you know, this, these, uh, that we can walk a, a, you know, higher, higher walk. But, you know, right. we have to also... You know, we we can't ignore the fact that there is suffering, and we have to really honor that time when we need to feel the way we feel. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. And that's I'm glad you point, pointed that out. That there is a time when we need to say it's okay that I feel sad today. It's okay that because um, you know something happened in my family, or a person died, or you uh, you had a, a diagnosis or something. So it's okay. To have these emotional feelings. Like I had someone explain to me one time. This was, again, years ago. And I love these little aha moments that you have as you, you know, when they talk about with age comes wisdom, it's because you've lived long enough to have people give you these aha moments, right? Yeah. Um, but we were talking about guilt or something. And she said, no, no, no. Guilt is a great thing. You should feel guilty sometimes because guilt should be a motivation for you to change your behavior. And I was like, oh, you know, because for a while there, Oprah and all these talk show experts were saying, stop feeling guilty. Stop feeling guilty. And so you you had this whole generation of people are going, I'm sorry, but it's just not my fault. Oh, you know? wow. And so and when she said that, I thought, you know, you're right. When I feel guilty, it's because I might have done something that was inappropriate. Yeah, and it's, it's your little, you know, you know, the little antenna goes up that, mm, that you know, I really don't want to do that or be that way. Yeah, yeah. 
Exactly. So all of the emotions that we've been given are there for a purpose, but they should create change uh, yeah. rather than just, you know, a, a, a field that we've been now planted in. Yeah, and, and uh, your, our feelings shouldn't be, you know, a way to be, keep us oppressed or right. to keep us quiet or to keep us in our place. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's funny because I do think that the freedoms that we've all fought so hard for the last 50 years have actually gotten to be, have created a more confusing environment for people. There used to be roles that people played and dress that people did. You know, you went to school. I mean, I look back on pictures of, you know, uh, when we went to school or even if you look back on the old Dick and Jane books and you see that little girls wore dresses, little boys wore pants with a button down shirt. Uh, everyone wore leather shoes. No one wore athletic shoes. Uh, you know, and so there were this, there were these rules that we had that we've all fought so hard to let go of. But what's happened from these rules is we've created a little bit of chaos because no one really knows what to do now. Exactly. And so it's, you know, so it's, it's good to have systems in place sometimes that can give us direction. Uh, and I think that this drama triangle is, I, I love that that is, is like you say, you see it so prevalent in just how we're dealing with crises in, you know, even like I heard um, one of the political, I think it was uh, Carly Fiorina that was talking about the uh, Katrina uh, catastrophe and mm-hmm. how it wasn't necessarily the natural disaster, but it was how it was, you know, the dams and the reservoirs and things like that that weren't in place. And I remember going, oh, my gosh, I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. You know, was it the natural disaster or was it man-made problems that created this? And so, um you know, how we look at things, then we can create an actual, uh, uh, solve us an actual problem by looking at things in a different way. But, and more importantly, in our own lives, uh, getting rid of this drama triangle and re, re, refocusing it on a different role. So when people are looking for assistance, uh, because I do think this is something that probably needs just like a, you know, you hire a personal trainer, you hire a running coach, or or whatever. This isn't something that can be done overnight. So where do people go to get more information on this empowerment dynamic? Well, they can go to the founders of the, of uh, the, the 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 empowerment dynamic. It's the the power of TED T E D that website, thepowerofted.com. I think it's powerofted.com. Um, okay. Yeah, it will give some um, lots of, of uh, different materials that people can read. They actually have a little paperback book out called The Power of TED. Um, they have they actually have one out too for TED for Diabetes because a oh. lot of people have t- type two diabetes, and um, you know it's very easy to be, feel a victim of this the disease when. Uh, there are solutions that people can do themselves to c- control it and actually reverse it. Um, oh. and since, it's, since it's so big in our culture, you know that's something that they thought that they could, you know, come that they could, you know, over put the. So you can overlay the drama or the power of TED, the um, empowerment dynamic, on almost every problem that you have. Now they didn't that's use true. something like cancer because you know. <laughs> yeah. That's not something that you, you know, can control in that in that way. But, right, um, so broad. 
but a lot of our health issues uh, we do have power over, um, uh, you know, a different way to look at our health, a different way to look right. at our bodies, a different way to look at how we operate in the world. So, yeah, so so it could be whatever I think the major um, issue people are dealing with, if they just focus on that or on one thing, maybe there's three or four things. Maybe it's your health and your relationship and your something else, you know, your job. But if right, you take, right. Let's start with one at a time and then try to overlay and learn the how to be, you know new behaviors and um you know there are, are are also coaches that can coach people through their own particular problem i used to do that my business has kind of taken off my uh, my pr business is pretty busy but right I, I can right. i can take you know a few people at it you know at a time if people would, you know, resonate with what I've said and want to talk, you know, we can give them my email address. But I, I, I also would send them to, you know, outsource them to reference materials to learn how, how they can right. do it as well. Right. And I like what you said about it, even with our own physical health, um, mm-hmm. that we, we become the victims. You know, we've been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Therefore, we go to our doctor because that's, that's who's going to rescue us. And, and then, but you know, with every medication, there's a side effect. So we just become the victim again. And we, we don't, you know, we don't trust our instincts and we don't realize because, because the industry, I believe, now I'm going to get on my soapbox here, but I believe the industry doesn't want to, doesn't want us to think that we have the power, uh, because that would take away from, I mean, it's a big money making industry. So, um, Right. So, you know, so like, I love that. I love that, that they've written that talk on type 2 diabetes because it is something that you can reverse through, uh, your food. And, yeah. uh, you know, and it's tough and it's not, you know, it's not an easy transition for a lot of people, but, uh, it, it, it does give you that feeling of empowerment when you can do something like that yourself and not go, you can be your your own rescuer. So I, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a big, big part of a lot of these other things. A lot of times we become victims ourselves because we haven't uh, taken precautions in our own life uh, to, you know, protect our own health. And then once your, once your health is gone, then you do become a little bit of you know you are relying on a lot of other people for things well, and so yes. and and when we look at type two diabetes type two diabetes yeah. or any other med- health problem we have we see it as a problem and we want to go to the doctor for him to fix it so that's why there's so many you know knee jerk pills out there it's like okay right. she or he wants to you know immediate fix here's the pill and I don't think the medical professionals trust us. Right. To solve all well, the problems. Well, they say that. They go, they go, they, they'll say, oh, your cholesterol's high. Now, cut out foods that are high in cholesterol. But here's a pill. Because really, they don't think, they don't trust us that we're going to actually do it. So right. it's up to us. You know, it's our, we yeah. have all these choices. Right, exactly, exactly. And there's a, that's a whole other discussion as far as, you know, liability and all the other things. But, you know, when you can take control of, of uh, you know, your own problems, that's, that's the answer. Well, Diane, thank you so much. And I want to remind everyone that uh, Diane's website is www.inspiredmc.com. And like I said, Diane is uh, a very, very, very busy person. She, with her, her inspired media communications business, and she's, she writes articles for lots of, 
uh, local and regional magazines, and and she's involved in radio show producing and all kinds of great things. So she doesn't actually coach people uh, with the uh, in the empowerment dynamic any longer. But if you get on her website or shoot her an email or something, she might be able to direct you. Uh, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And I do actually give talks. Um, it does say on my website. I'm a you know as a TED practitioner. Uh, TED practitioner, I will actually give give um, talks to groups if uh, somebody wants that. So there you go. Oh, that'd be great. That would be great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Diane, and we will be talking again soon. Have a great day. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. All I right. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. Oh my gosh, that was that was just so great, and I. I, I really do, you know, when you talk about, when you read a lot of uh, family counseling books, one of the things that people will complain about the most is um, discussions that people have, uh, you know, something that happened 40 years ago, and it's like, oh, my gosh, are we talking about that again? And it's because it's that story. It's that story that we've told ourselves. You are this, and I am that, and those are the roles that we have been somehow put into. So just changing that focus and getting out of that uh, victim or persecutor or rescuer role and then switching it over to be a creator or a coach or a challenger. Uh, what a, what a happier way of going about life. So I hope you've enjoyed, uh, Diane as much as I have today. Again, um, her website is www.inspiredmc.com. And if you would like to re-listen to this, uh, broadcast, please get on to my blog, which is www.heavenandnot.com. I will be posting this up as a podcast in a couple of hours because I think this is something that you need to listen to more than once. Uh, some really, really great information. So I hate, hope that you um, take this information, take it into your life today. Uh, get online at Amazon or hop over to a Barnes & Noble somewhere if you have one by some strange occurrence in your neighborhood <laughs> they're hard to find nowadays uh, and remember to you know look at your life there are only two ways to live your life one is as though nothing is a miracle the other is as though everything is a miracle and maybe the fact that you listen to this radio show today is a miracle and will make some changes in your life i hope so i've really enjoyed talking with you today we'll talk again next week bye-bye <music> 